The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Patria Vandermark. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Well, you got some winter weather, didn't you? We did. We got what you would call a wintry mix. Oh. So it, 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 yes, winter, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it looked, it looked like snow. The ground is pretty warm. The temperatures were pretty warm. And we must have gotten something like four or five inches of slush, <laughs> which uh, is not, not actually as bad as it sounds. <laughs> okay. Okay. Continue. <laughs> Cause I think about that and I think, oh, I'm not going out in that. But, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fat bike owner and I'm not somebody who gets excited about riding in white stuff. <laughs> so let me give you a little background. For the last five years at Ride Studio Cafe, we have hosted the hashtag RSC First Snow Ride. So the, the hashtag itself is just RSC First Snow. Mm-hmm. So check that out. and You'll see the photos from the last five years of when it's the first snow we ride in it. And we define the first snow as there will be an inch of accumulation of snow at go time, which we define just based on the forecast. And so it's hard to plan. It's something you really can't put in your calendar. And then the snow has to be forecasted to last for the duration of the ride, which is about two hours. And this has been a really fun ride to put on just because of, well, it could hit at any time. The first year it was at 3 a.m., And we had at least 20 cyclists show up for it. And again, five years ago is pre a lot. Most people didn't have studded tires. Not that you really even need studded tires for a first snow ride anyway. But not that many people had snow bikes back then. (laughs) We had this huge turnout. And then every year it's grown and it's been at just these random times of day. One year it was at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, which is probably the worst possible time to have a ride because so many people need to get to work. And obviously when you're not talking about COVID times, people are driving and needing to get to work, but we still had a terrific ride that day. So anyways, this is, this is the history of the first snow ride. But you had people show up at three o'clock in the morning. You had a ride that started at 3 a.m. And people showed up to ride in the snow at 3 a.m. That we did. Yes. And there's a lot of photographic evidence of that. <laughs> it was it was really neat. We had people. So Lexington is about a goodness, a ten to thirteen mile ride up from Boston for some people, uh-huh. and they rode up from their homes to get there. So we had people come from all over. Obviously, a lot of people drove too. Uh, so yes, in the middle of the night, it was such high energy. And my husband and I were flying in from Georgia that same day. So when we were sitting in at breakfast 
in at a it was a 70 degree day in Georgia and we were there for a scouting trip. Someone texted us and said, hey, the forecast here calls for snow tonight. So we knew that go time was going to happen. So we're sitting at breakfast. My husband's planning the route and I'm doing all the social media telling everybody to get your stuff together. We're riding tonight. We don't know exactly what time we're heading out, but we're going to be riding. And then we had this tremendous turnout. So that was that was the first first snow ride. And then, yeah, every year we really look forward to it. Now, wow. for this past weekend, it, it the forecast said that we were going to be getting some snow. So we were watching it all day, putting out all the social media blitz. OK, cool. This is going to be the first snow ride. And then the forecast kept tapering back on how much snow we were going to get. And then it was looking like more rain. So now the conditions are changing and we say, OK, this isn't this isn't really the ride. We can't call this the first snow ride if it's not going to be snowing. So that's not quite the pleasant conditions of snow. <laughs> but we decided, hey, a lot of people are really excited to ride. We need to get out. There's, and I'm certainly in that that camp of I need to see people. I need to be riding my bike. And I really don't care at this point what the weather is doing. I mm. need to be outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we 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 did the ride. We had eight people show up for it, which was still terrific turnout considering the, the conditions. And it was it, it looked like snow falling from the sky. And then again, it, it, it piled up into this slushy, large mess of of what was snow for a while. And then it, and then it just kept getting warmer and, and we cut the ride short. So we ended up doing something like six miles, an hour and a half riding most people's feet were soaked clear through oh bonus <laughs> we told we told people to bring the rain the rain gear because that was appropriate and again okay. it was pretty warm it was you know right around right around freezing which is toasty it doesn't take long in that type of temperature to get warm and mm-hmm. and to overheat so <laughs> yes that was that was the first the first wintry mix ride ever <laughs> And now we are still looking forward to the first snow ride. So we get to continue to look forward to that, get ready for it and host that as soon as that happens. (laughs) I mean, how, how do you, so you've got to make an announcement so that people know when to show up. Right. But the, but the start of the ride coincides with once you have an inch of commute, accumulation how much right. notice do people typically get before needing to show up at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> wait goodness i don't remember how much time people had noticed on that one but uh what you know since we start talking about it early in the day and we're we're looking at the forecast and everything usually we say okay it's probably not going to be before say 6 p.m and then just keep watching and then be ready to go. So then as long as you're watching like the Twitter, or the Instagram, then you have at least an hour of, of notice. And, and then like with this last one, which, again, wasn't the first snow ride, but for the wintry mix ride, we ended up saying, hey, it's 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 830. That's that looks like it's going to be about as best as it's going to be all night. So that's that's when we'll head out. And I think that we gave people about two, two and a half hours notice. So, yeah, not a lot of time, not a lot of notice, but uh, you got to be sitting there with your duffel and your bike and just ready to jump in the car, or just jump on your bike and ride out. <laughs> right, right. I, well, I'm trying to think about like, 
you know, say having full leg warmers on, uh, <laughs> waterproof socks on, thermal mm-hmm. bibs on. Yep. Yep. My chest strap and a base layer and not putting anything else on and just sitting on the couch waiting for <laughs> a ping on social media. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I probably am exactly the sort of uh, candidate. <laughs> were, were I there, I suspect you'd be roping me in. Uh, unless yes. it's like me solo with my little boys. You know, that's different. Sure. Right. Exactly. And we really should consider offering babysitting services for the future so that everybody can show up. <laughs> Although sometimes the kids are home sleeping in their bed. Mom and dad sneak out. Not that I advocate that at all, but <laughs> <laughs> you never know when it's 3 a.m. You can get away with a lot. And I do know when it happens at that time and you tell me, oh, I've got plans. I know you don't have plans. <clears throat> you could oh, you, you can be there. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> Oh, apologies so speaking of how how are your ribs doing (laughs) well fine until about eight seconds ago uh no that's not entirely true uh i'm i am improving okay i am improving um i actually went for a mountain bike ride yesterday somewhat to my surprise but also if you knew the situation here, it's somewhat predictable. I finally got the last of the parts to build up this pivot Mach 4 SL that I've been trying to piece everything together for because Shimano is short on stock and many different things. I was shy one rotor and one rear derailleur for like a month. Uh, <laughs> and those showed up on, I forget, Thursday or Friday, finished getting the bike built up. And so yesterday morning, I figured I'd show up for my standard Sunday morning ride out in Occidental and I would I would ride to our our kind of meeting spot, the sound of music, get that lovely view. Uh, And if I got there without any real pain, then I would continue to ride. If I got there with some pain, then I would get back on one of the logging roads and ride my way back out. And I was reasonably comfortable. And uh, with the exception of one little compression spot later on in the ride where I kind of had a little bit of a, um, (laughs) you know, it went well enough. Uh, Great. Now, riding there is different from Anadol State Park right by me, which has a lot more rock. And so I don't know that I'll be doing (laughs) much of anything in there anytime soon. Uh, But we may try something this week. I don't I don't we'll see how I feel. Uh, as long as my better. yeah, as long as my cat doesn't walk across my side while I'm in bed, uh, I'm mostly pretty good. Mostly, uh, yeah. So great, it, it's good to hear it. It is progress, and I will absolutely take it. Yeah. Well, what do you have for us this week? What's your pull? Well, this week I've been noticing. I'm feeling this in myself, and I've been. I watch. Facebook, social media, and talk to a lot of people. And I feel like a lot of people right now are hitting a bit of a low spot with their cycling, with motivation to get out. The days are short. They're growing shorter Mm -hmm. right now. It's the holiday season, which I think is challenging for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Add on top of that COVID, everyone's exhausted from everything that's going on with COVID. If you're working, you're working 
you've been working for the last nine months harder than you ever have. You're tired. You're tired of wearing a mask. You need a hug from somebody you can't get a hug from. You need to see your family. It's a long list of things that people have accumulating on top of them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this is taking away from people's motivation to do a lot of different things. So obviously we're talking about cycling and we all know how important it is to ride for your your health, your physical health and your mental health. And I applaud a lot of people who have been talking more and more about mental health, trying to make sure to check in on friends and and talk to people who they know are lonely, who are living home alone, that sort of thing. There's a lot more, though, that people are feeling and going through that we probably don't know what's going on. And it's obviously it's it's difficult to offer an ear maybe to someone you don't know that well. But this is a really good time to take stock of your goals for cycling and to involve others in your goals so as to help pull people along with you. So in the true spirit of a poll, let's pull each other into 2021 and, 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 and just keep this in a good place. So here are some ideas. This is something I'd love to see more comments on the show notes on the, the show page to get your ideas. One, I'd love to hear goals that each of you are setting for yourselves for this coming year. And how do you get yourself to be motivated when it's cold, it's dark, you don't feel like it, you're tired from working really hard, Um, you've had a a difficult conversation, the last thing you want to do is get on your bike, those sorts of things. What are you guys doing? Because everyone's got different tricks that they employ. So I'm hoping that this conversation simply helps everyone get into this mindset. And also at the end of the year, people do these things called New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I, I'm really not a big New Year's resolution person. I don't think I've ever set a New Year's resolution that I've kept or I don't even know if I've set them. But I do think goals are important. So, hey, this is the best possible time to be thinking about it and to help yourself get through December and get into January in a good place. Mm-hmm. So... Now, some of this is taken from my own experience. Again, I want to hear more from you guys. Write down your goals. Number one, put them down and maybe just start with writing down everything you can possibly think of. They're not necessarily a goal you need to stick to, but a thought, maybe something you think, huh, maybe this is something that I should do or something that you can revise and think through more. So just Just start with a blank piece of paper and start writing down everything you might possibly want to do this coming year or into the future too. think five years out. Think 10 years out. Some really good advice I got once upon a time was a year from now, you'll have wished you started today. Mm. Mm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I think about this all the time. And unfortunately, a lot of times that goes through my mind and I'm like, well, today's not the day to start. <laughs> However, <laughs> think, think about that in all of these things is that a year from now, you will have wished that you started today. And why not start today? You don't wait until January 1st. Do whatever you can today and then create new goals as you go along. So now that you've written down your goals, Revise them, think about them, talk with your family about them. 
involve your friends in them and then write them down bigger. Write them down so that, that such that you can see them. Maybe when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, they're staring you in the face. Write them down on a piece of paper that is in your cubicle at work or maybe now your your home office somewhere where you see them almost all of the time. Because every time you look at it, it will remind you. And that's good. You should you should have it staring back at you. If these are goals you really want to achieve, put it put in an obvious place and then your family and your loved ones will also see it and maybe they'll add their goals next to it. So what goals have you set and reached in the past? Think about that because you're very likely to be able to use your same methods that worked for you in the past for whatever goal it is. It doesn't have to be cycling related, but anything you've set for yourself and you've been able to achieve that. What was it that you did? How did you convince yourself to do what you needed to do to reach the goal? Now think about how can you apply that to your cycling life? Hmm. Right. I mean, it, it, this could take some soul searching. This could take some thinking back to what was that? Let's see. You wanted a raise. OK, so you worked really hard to get that raise. Maybe in some way you can motivate yourself by way of offering yourself some gift for doing whatever it is. Right. Say you're going to grant yourself. We'll go back to the last episode. Grant yourself a massage after you've ridden X number of miles or you've you've accomplished something that you wanted to give yourself something as a treat. Why not? So understanding (laughs) what incentives actually work for you. Exactly. Right. Right. What is it that gets you to do something? And some people, some people are internally motivated. Others are externally motivated. Maybe you need to beat a friend. Maybe you need to have some competition. I mean, there's a lot of people right now Mm -hmm. who are really feeling a lack of motivation because they've discovered that what gets them out of bed in the morning is their desire to beat someone in a race. Or in some sort of competition. And that's gone in, in so many ways. That's not in existence right now, nor is it going to be in existence probably this spring. Maybe in the fall it will be there, but it's not there yet. So maybe you need to set up some sort of friendly competition with your friends where you're trying to beat each other. OK, that sounds friendly enough. Mm-hmm. It's it's fine. You just have to make sure to take care of your loser friend. Unless you're the loser <clears throat> friend, you got to take care of yourself. But it's, I don't it's have not... any loser friends. <laughs> We're all winners here. Figure out how everyone can win. But that that spirit of competition definitely gets people going. And we've we've seen that 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 hole there. And it's okay to be one of those people who needs that. There's nothing wrong with needing to beat someone in order to get you to do something. That's that's human. So acknowledge that and figure out how you can put that together in in this world that doesn't have have competition. Maybe Strava. I'm I'm not a big Strava person because I don't think it necessarily makes you feel very good about yourself. But there are a lot of positives in the way you can use Strava or any of those other social media platforms. So speaking of social media, I'll jump ahead to that. You can if you don't already have, say, Instagram, create an account for your cycling 
And a lot of people I know have an account for their personal lives. Maybe create an account that's just devoted to your cycling. So you post pictures when you go and ride and that helps you catalog what you've done. You get to see these nice pictures and that's something to look forward to. To, to share these things with people. And when you post something and you get likes, that feels good. Mm-hmm. I, I happen to enjoy posting pictures when I ride because I do enjoy getting the likes. It's, it's great. And it's fun when people make a nice comment back. I appreciate that. You know, by the way, you'll find me at Skinny Tires and I am officially Fat Tire, but my Instagram handle is staying with skinny tires. <laughs> I posted a picture today of a really nice snow ride because uh, a wintry mix when it freezes is really nice to ride in. <laughs> so, yes, you will find lots of pictures out there. And I think I think to a certain extent that helps motivate other people, too. Like if mm-hmm. you see me out there riding in the middle of the day when it's stupidly cold, I think you're going to be more likely to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So think think about that. Like how how can you incorporate others in this? And that's that's one way of doing it. So what kind of goals can you create? You know, there's so many different ones, but I would suggest stepping back from the obvious. Like distance and speed are obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of downfalls with that. Like the ride that I did at lunch today, it was an hour long and I rode about 5.3 miles on my fat bike and it was a great ride. But if I was looking at distance and hoping to add my distance up to hundred miles this week, I'm in trouble. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not hitting any goals that look any good to anybody. If I'm going to look at distance or speed for that matter, because my average pace was very low. And that's okay. That's not what I was looking to get out of my ride. I did an hour. So maybe my goal has to do with, say, five hours a week. That would be five one hour lunch rides. And for me right now, that would be a pretty amazing goal uh, because I don't usually take that time to go out and do an hour ride a day. I'd Mm. love to say I do, but I, I have not been typically able to do that because I have a really crazy busy life. So that would be one way of, of looking at it. And then you can say, yes, you're a winner. You get these things in, you do the time. It doesn't matter how fast you were. And a lot of people I know call themselves slow. And I have a hard time listening to people call themselves slow. Who cares? Who cares what kind of pace you ride? Does it matter? Did you get out? Did you have fun? Did you get your heart rate up? Yes. Okay. So in what world does it matter how fast you are? I do think, of course, you're going to get it in your head. Oh, I'm slower than my friends. So I'm not going to go out with my friends because I don't want to be the slow person in the group. Sure, it's it's not fun to be slower than a group ride where everyone's going 20 miles an hour and your pace is 10 or something like that. But I think if you're doing a ride with your friends, you underestimate your friends if you think that they are going to drop you. And you can also start with the at the beginning of the ride. This is what we're going to do. And you can say, hey, like, especially if you call the ride, you say, hey, this is the ride that I'm going to do. This is the pace I'm going to do it at. You don't share your route with anyone. So they don't know where you're going, which means they have to stay on your wheel. <laughs> that, that's a trick I employ all the time. I'm the only one with the route, so you can't leave me. <laughs> but you know what? Like, why not? It's fine. And especially this time of year. This is the time of year when... 
no matter who you are, if you're a professional cyclist or you're a recreational cyclist, you should be doing a lot of zone two base miles, which means low heart rate. You're out there just to burn calories. You're resetting your body. You're not working too hard. Besides, if you work too hard and you sweat too much, you, you freeze, right? So stay away from that That this time of year. This is a good time to, to ride more slowly. And then you all start to ramp up in pace as spring comes and it's the appropriate season. So that's another good reason to start now because you don't have to feel bad about anything. Nobody's looking at anybody else and your friends are much more likely to be in this place of, hey, you could take it easy. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of, of events that right now it's looking like springtime events are probably not going to happen with the pandemic. However, I'm starting to see a lot more events popping up on the calendar for later in the summer and in the fall. So I would I would suggest checking out finding some event. It doesn't even matter if it's one that you're that's particularly interesting, but try to find one that's maybe in October. And what is it? A hundred dollars to register for some event in October. Just register. A hundred dollars is a really small price to pay for the motivation that it's going to give you. It's going to give you a goal. It will give you something to to pull you along and you'll have this this thing in your in your mind between now and October. So that's that's the gift of motivation for that long. A hundred dollars is a small, small price to pay. So register. Once you register, you've committed to it. Then if it has to move, of course, it, it would have to move. Hopefully that won't be the case. But at least you've had it in the back of your mind all this time. So I'd say it's worth it just for that. Even if you lose your money, that was great, a great way of spending the hundred dollars. Let's see what else. Oh, get a coach. Mm. Getting a coach is a really good way of staying motivated because you've got somebody to kick your butt. Again, it's okay to admit that you cannot offer yourself the motivation that you need. This is what you pay a coach for. The coach, and you can offer this person, say, hey, this is how I respond. You can you can come down on me if I'm not doing what I need to do. And then having them in the back of your mind saying, hey, how is that workout? Oh, you didn't do that workout. Okay, well, you need to do your workout tomorrow. You don't want to disappoint your coach. It's a, it's a really good idea to pick a coach of someone who you respect, you have really good rapport with. I think that is the most important part of a coaching relationship is to have that open communication and and the respect that you're really going to want to owe it to that person to get on your bike. So that's that's one suggestion. You may or may not respond to a coach, but again, that's really this money really well spent if that's what gets you on your bike. I would also suggest calling your bike shop and seeing if there's a way to connect with other people by way of them. Now, bike shops right now are probably not running their group rides. However, they might have some good ideas of other cyclists who are active or people who are looking for others to ride with. And there might be a way there to to find something that will excite you, help you get on your bike. I would also suggest just setting up a weekly time to ride at least one day a week at a specific time. You know, you're on your bike. 
hopefully you can make this, say, a group read. And again, group reds are tif- difficult right now, but a group doesn't have to be more than two or three people. It can be very small. But mm-hmm. at a certain time, you're at a certain place and you're riding your bike. You've committed to it. That's going to happen. And maybe you're one of these people you can do more than one day a week at a specific time. But even one day is going to get you out potentially infinitely more than you would have otherwise. And by doing that one, you're now doing more than one. So those those are a few suggestions. Again, want to hear more from you guys. Patrick, what do you think on the topic? Well, your your suggestion to actually get a coach is pretty terrific because so often people start looking at, you know, what is it I need to be doing? Uh, you know, thinking about, well, I want to be doing, I, I want to be writing well come June. What do I need to be doing now? And a lot of people get overwhelmed. And so having that coach who takes all the guesswork out of it, all you have to do is go do the thing they told you to do. That can really simplify getting out there. Uh, So that's one terrific thing. The other thing, you know, the buddy system. Yeah, you don't have to do group rides, but just one other person that you're meeting, that accountability of, I've got to be at the gazebo at noon. Uh, That makes a a really, really big difference. I've got a a friend that I do rides with somewhat regularly, but we haven't gotten into that place of, you know, now that he's got a different job now and his work, his rides have to be really concentrated at lunchtime. Uh, Even though he's working remotely, it's still a proper work day. And so we haven't managed to get into the swing of, okay, I, I will see you uh, at the dirt crits at, you know, 12, you know, 12 on the nose. Um, mm-hmm. And our riding together will continue to suffer until we get on top of that. It's really that simple. Right. And yep. it's so easy to have an OBE overtaken by events, you know, without, mm-hmm. without that commitment, you know, Oh, today slipped by. Well, I'll get out there tomorrow. Oh, today slipped by. I'm as guilty of it as anyone back when I was still doing all the morning group rides in Southern California. You know, the the great thing about going out first thing in the morning is no one's missing you. Right. If you, you know, if you go out for your ride and you're back at eight o'clock, you know, and maybe you're eating breakfast in the shower. No, no names mentioned. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, it's uh, it's so much easier to get the ride done when you can do it first thing in the morning. This time of year, if you're not living in Southern California or Arizona, it can be really hard to do that ride uh, first thing in the morning because it's 20 degrees colder than it will be, you know, in just a couple hours. Uh, so I I do feel for people that way. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of the buddy system and having that commitment to meet one other person because uh, it's good for them, too. And every now and then you've got other people who's like, hey, can I can I join you guys? So if it's right. three, whatever, uh, it's still really easy to socially distance and feel like you're being a responsible person. I don't really want to show up for a ride that's got eight or ten people. And I have not been. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that idea makes me nervous. Riding with one other person or two other people doesn't make me nervous. Yeah. Sure. So. And the types of riding too. Like here we're doing fat bike and mountain bike studded tire, snow, off-road. 
going so slowly, you can have a lot more people together and you're nowhere near each other. Mm. Like, you know where, like, you're never going to get that far apart, but you're also never going to be that close either. Mm. And you're, and you're going slow. So yeah, again, with the, the slower, the slower pace and just less expectation on hanging like you would on a, on a road ride mm-hmm. that can mm-hmm. make it a lot easier to, to execute safely and also to include other people. Like, this is a nice time to include the people who you wouldn't necessarily have in your social group. Like, Oh yeah. Hey, this is a good way to connect. And, and then maybe you have new riding friends come spring and summer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. So yes. So we're, we're thinking, I mean, take, take some good time, write things down, talk to people who you love, talk to your friends, come up with some really cool ideas for things you can do this coming year lofty that's fine make make big goals why not think about a place that you would like to ride to maybe it's far away that's fine turn it into a credit card touring trip where you take all your stuff in a saddlebag so it's not a lot that you have to prepare for you don't need tons of equipment or anything like that but you know that you're going to go to this cool town that you've been wanting to ride to it would be an overnight thing. It doesn't take a lot of time. You don't have to make huge plans. Something simple. But that would be something else you can put on your on your calendar. Great. Now you need to train because you're going to want to be able to do 100 miles in a day or 100 mile back to back days. Those sorts of things. There's a lot, a lot of really cool things you can come up with. And and then that will help just that, that will really help your disposition going into into this new year. Neat. Very cool. So, yes. And then hopefully we will check in with everybody. Uh, let's see. March 1st. Make sure everything is done on your list. That everything's checked off. <laughs> Sorry. No, we will not hold you to it. But I, I do want to hear what people have to say. And I love watching people hit their goals. It's remarkable. It's really, really fun to see people who physically change, who have mm-hmm. weight loss goals. That's I mean, obviously, that's a little bit more visible, but then also to get pictures from people. I've delivered bikes to people and then get pictures from these trips. Oh, that's so cool. That feels really good. I Again, if that helps your motivation to know that the person you bought your bike from would really like to see you use that bike or that equipment, use that as your motivation, because, mm-hmm. yes, somebody's going to be really happy to get that email that showed how you really enjoyed the thing that you bought and back to back and and, you know back to the treating yourself if you need to buy something in order to get you out of the house buy it whatever the price is it's probably not too much for your psychological well-being and physical health like really think about that is the price of not feeling well mentally and not being healthy is really high. Like there is a big price tag on that, literally, and it, it, and just in every way. So do consider that when it when it comes right down to it. If that's what's going to do it for you, just pay the money. Good advice. Alrighty, we're going to take a break, and we will be back in just a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by the Cycling Independent. 
We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader-supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Time for my pull. So mine, in a way, sort of dovetails with yours, a little different direction, less goalie, but still making use of our riding this time of year. I will say, after the year we've had, which is to say that I think we've just killed the old adage, hindsight is twenty twenty. this December is as off-season as any of us are likely to have. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. So normally at this time of year, I'm either racing cyclocross, which I really haven't done much of in the last five years, or more typically doing a bunch of easier rides with some mountain bike rides that are kind of medium hard-ish. And that's just because I I can't avoid the climbing and they usually end up being a couple climbs where I kind of bury myself. Uh, Before I go any further, let me say that I'm not especially hopeful that I will do many events next year. Uh, I'm certainly going to look at what people are offering. I could see doing one or two here or there that are sufficiently socially distanced, but until I'm vaccinated and most of the country is vaccinated, I don't really want to do anything where I rub elbows with anyone else on a ride. Um, And I suspect I'm not alone in that. You're not. Yeah. So I'm looking at doing some base miles because my endurance is not what it normally is this time of year uh, because it never got up to what it would normally be thanks to the longer grasshoppers. Uh, This is. I yeah, this is the first year in. I don't know, sometime in the 1990s. I I really honestly don't know the last time I hadn't done at least one hundred mile ride. I haven't done a century once this year. Tisk tisk, you're really missing out there. Uh, probably. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's weird to note that. But yeah, um, the whole year has been so off that at no point that I go, oh, I need to go out and do a century because usually that happens in the course of lining up for uh, some bigger rides. I might do one or two as I'm training for a bigger uh, event if I want it to be quick. Um, But yeah, I, (laughs) I haven't done a single century this year. So I do have some need to work on my endurance and what I've chosen to start doing are more exploratory rides. I'll set a loop that looks like it's at least three hours, but probably longer and then just set off. Google Maps is one of the windows that pretty much just stays open on my computer. I keep looking at little roads that I can link together that will keep me off the bigger roads around here 
because I'm still kind of the new guy, uh, or at least one of them around here, I still default to roads bigger than are entirely necessary just to make the navigation easier for myself. But, you know, in looking at the maps more, it's like, well, you know, I could, I could get off river road here and take this around this and do this sort of thing. And so now, you know, I'll, I'll look, I'll design a route. Once I have some idea of what I want to hit, uh, I then go build it a second time, but I use ride with GPS and then I upload that to my GPS unit. And that prevents me from getting to Calistoga or Geyserville and then chickening out on the longer route that I had intended for myself and just turning for home on a big, busy road. Um, <laughs> guilty of, I, and there it's funny. There are times where even as I'm doing it, it's like, what are you doing? Why are you chickening out of this longer ride? Uh, so yeah, it's been a weird thing to live in a place and kind of see behavior that I recognize from when I was a relatively new cyclist in the late 1980s. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you could take the little road and just find out what it does. Um, you know, part of it is also, I I'm usually thinking about how I have to budget my time. I'm no longer 25 years old with next to zero responsibility. There are kids and, you know, meals to make. And so I, yeah, I've done way too much of that. <laughs> um, one thing I will say, because I live in Sonoma County, I'm also finding that with some of these rides, I'm encountering roads that are far more, hmm, let's go with chunky than I'd have expected, uh, considering what they lead from and lead to. As mm-hmm. a result, I'm doing some pretty long rides on one of my gravel bikes because I'm generally doing these rides alone and I don't have to worry about someone following me on a descent. I don't mind taking my steel bike with long reach calipers and 32 millimeter tires. I'm not pushing hard on the descents. I'm not doing these rides for a particular pace. So if I'm going a little slower, no harm, no foul. Um, And then also the fact is my Danucci has a position that I can ride in reasonably comfortably for four or five hours, kind of no matter what my endurance level currently is. The next step for me, after I'm more familiar with all the stuff within three to four hours of home, and I still have some more riding to do. There's stuff that I still haven't been on and it kind of amazes me, but, uh, I plan to start driving out to a spot like Occidental or Duncan's Mills, which are both a solid 90 minutes of riding from here, and then start doing some, shall we say, low-risk loops from my car out there so I can begin learning more of those rides. Uh, I don't really want to be two and a half hours from home and looking at a road that I'm really not sure where it goes because there are... We have some fool's errands out here, some Mm -hmm. really cool roads that ultimately just end up dead ending somewhere. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or or they don't dead end, but suddenly it becomes private property. And so you were looking Uh. at it on the map and it looked all fine. Then you get there and there's a gate and it's like, "Mm -hmm." yeah. Uh, And because we have a flavor of libertarian here in Sonoma County that is not quite like what you see in most of the rest of the country, 
Northern California libertarian, uh, well, it usually includes weed growing. Mm. And mm-hmm. people are sometimes um, protective of those crops. And yeah. they sometimes have things that they use to protect. So it's not poaching around here can get actually dangerous. So I really watch that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but good. it's weird because like when I even, when I lived in Southern California and I felt like I knew all the roads that I'd ever want to ride still late fall on into the winter, sometimes even on into early spring, I'd take some rides and just explore. And <laughs> you know, the, it was wild what I would discover. And sometimes it was just, you know, a beautiful outlook. Uh, you know, I, I get to somebody, some place, uh, and there'd be a gap in the homes in Palos Verdes and you'd have this incredible view of Lunata Bay. And it's like, why have I never come up here to look at this before? Wow. <laughs> the world is a pretty place. Uh, so it's nice to just, when I can, you know, give myself four or five hours for a ride you know, budget that much time in the day and then not worry about, well, did the ride actually take up five hours? Maybe I end up coming home in four hours and 15 minutes, whatever, but just give myself the room to be able to go and explore and do some things that I haven't done before. Um, you know, just checking out roads that I don't know. Uh, That's great. Yeah. And, you know, no matter where you live, there really are usually some roads that lead interesting places And because they're not part of a standard route or something, you know, we just have to give ourselves permission to do a ride where we are dialed back on intensity and just learning what those routes can offer. So exactly. You do a lot of a lot of exploring. Uh, I do. What how do you kind of couch that within, you know, your larger plants and your busy, busy work day? Well, if I have a day off where I can take the whole day off. Mm-hmm. I will want to spend every minute riding and I'll go as far as I can. I, and I usually will pick a route from ride with GPS as a way of getting me to somewhere that I want to go. That's already been drawn up. And a lot of times once I'm out there, I'll go elsewhere and I'll be like, Oh, and, and this is usually what happens. Oh, cool. Dirt road, cool dirt trail. And I'll take off on those and sometimes end up on a totally different route. But I'll try to take a few routes from Ride with GPS from people that I either trust or the route looks logical and sane. Uh-huh. So it, it's it, it's a good foundation. So it looks like it's already been written and it can be written. And then try try some extra stuff from there and then hopefully coming back to the route uh, so as to not get too crazy around here i'll get lost very easily because i'm not well i think even people who are from massachusetts will get lost in this state I, I'm, I'm from colorado <laughs> you know i mean like to me I, I used to be able just to look at the mountains say oh west i'm gonna go west <laughs> and now i'm going to go on these roads and and then i turn around look to see where the big buildings are in denver turn around and head toward the big buildings and and I never needed a GPS. It, so here it's really different. And I feel like if I don't go with a route that's already drawn out, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> so so yeah. I'll let other people help me with the uh-huh. exploration. And and I also I'm I'm married to probably one of the world's best mappers and routers who exists on this planet. Literally, we've gone to New Zealand and my husband has mapped out routes for us that are mixed terrain and they've worked 
beautifully. So how we can show up to a country we've never been in before. And it's like I'm with a local on the routes that we're on. It's like that. That's really cool. So sometimes I'll just say, hey, can you make me a route? And this is what I'd like to do. And he'll make me a route. And it's it's just great. So he's <laughs> he's got some special, special skill and he, he's got some tricks to it, too. But he definitely has a very good sense of, of navigation. So I'll, I'll, I'll take advantage of that, too. Huh. So am I hearing you right? You will actually load up multiple routes on your GPS um, and to some degree freelance off of those. Right. Exactly. Huh. And then I'll know where where they might overlap or I can load up another one and you can have one in the background so you can see the shadow of it while you're following another one. So, you know, if you're really going off course from either one of them or if you want to flip over to the other, you can see it. So, yeah, there's a way of of using multiple routes on top of each other. Very cool. Yeah, I, it's I've, interesting. Yeah, I've never really considered that. I I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of different routes loaded up uh, on my element. Uh, but yeah, I never considered using them like some sort of index. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it, And then the unit that I'm using is the Garmin Edge 1030. So mm-hmm. it allows that. I'm not sure if a Wahoo unit would, would allow that or not. I but could at least Garmin switch can, between. I don't know okay. that it gets gives you the, the shadow opportunity, but... Uh, it, you can certainly switch between different routes. So mm-hmm. sure. uh, that, yeah, I just learned something. Huh. Well, GPS units are great. I mean, that really does help so much. And then it at least, the whole world. It, oh yeah. And, and at the very least, if you really get lost, you can turn around and you know exactly where you were because you've got your breadcrumb. So you follow that back. Yeah. So you're yeah. never going to get too lost. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That, that is absolutely for sure. Um, hmm. Yeah, I've, I've got a I've got a few things I'm going to load up and Saturday could get interesting. That's great. <laughs> well, enjoy working on your endurance. That is a wonderful thing to be doing this time of year. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about, you know, how much I push it each week. I'm just going to start doing a little bit longer here and there. Um you know, it's not like I'm planning for something in particular, but I am aware that if I tried to go out for five hours right now or six hours, things would start getting interesting after the fourth hour. I might kind of just start coming apart at the seams. So <laughs> I don't don't yeah. forget, as long as you're eating, you can probably be writing. Well, and see, that's one of the things ever since I stopped being a serious racer, my fueling and hydration has never been as solid as it once was. And I still don't understand that. I really have to kind of coach myself. It's all with mountain biking. It's a whole lot easier because if we mm-hmm. get to a place where we're going to, you know, stop and hang out for 15 minutes, uh, I will always make a point to eat something there. I always do that. It, I've got plenty of time, you know, and I know, Oh, it's probably been a while since we stopped like this. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Here's a well. Here's a trick. Another a trick to help. You can set an alarm on yeah. your computer that will go off and it will remind you to eat or drink. Yeah, I I have done that in the past, uh, and it has worked on occasion. But so often, I end up seeming to set it to go off too frequently, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and then you ignore it. Yeah, 
You know, it's like, oh, yeah. I don't really need to do that right this minute. Because like, yeah, every 15 minutes, it's like I ought to be taking a, a drink. And yeah, bad Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about pace line picks? What do you have? Okay, well, I'm going to just touch briefly on this. I think I'll go into this a lot more in a future show because I've already done enough talking today. If you're looking for a new set of gravel wheels, I would highly recommend the Industry 9 UL250 TRA wheels. They are as light aluminum wheels as you're going to find. They're durable. They roll exceptionally well. They have a 25 millimeter inner rim width. Mm. Mm -hmm. which means you can run a tire. You can't run too small of a tire, but I believe it's 33 to 55 millimeter wide tires fit very nicely on their rims. And they, they build the spokes for these wheels. They're thick aluminum spokes. They're not heavy. They're light spokes that they're very strong. And I happen to like that. There are no nipples Mm. on the wheels. Mm-hmm. So so for corrosion and those sorts of things, that, that's just not not a thing. The wheels are exceptionally well built. They're true. They stay true. They just handle anything you can throw at them. Um, we've we've worked with so many cyclists um, with I-9 wheels and they just they just really nail it with hub quality and and the build quality of their wheels. So I just wanted to offer that for anyone who's thinking about a new gravel wheel set to check out Industry 9. One of the reasons why I'm mentioning it now, this is something to think about now with long lead times. I believe they're at 10 to 12 weeks right now on their lead times for a new wheel set. So you would want to get your order in early so that you can be riding these wheels in the spring. Mm -hmm. Something that is very nice is they offer colors with their TRA spokes and their hubs. It's so fun to add color to your bike. And and it was interesting to starting with wheels used to be either black or silver spoked. That's mm-hmm. what you rode and the hubs were black and that was all great. Now having the opportunity to put color on bikes by way of the spokes and, and hubs is really fun. It's another way of making your bike yours, customizing it. And again, the wheels just couldn't be any better. So there's just the color and all that stuff is just in addition to all the quality that you're getting with their wheels. And these wheels come in both 650B and 700C. How so many there's spokes? something to look at. How many spokes are in, in the wheel sets? Oh, uh, let's see. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say 24. Okay. I have not paid too much attention only because they're they're so strong and they stay true just, so you don't really have to count and they stay true right so i'm not i'm not thinking too hard about the spokes mm-hmm. uh for the mountain bike wheels they offer 24 they offer 32 so for the real heavy hits and that sort of thing mm-hmm. neat and these wheels have a rider weight of a weight limit of about 220 pounds that allows for a person to be on a bike that's loaded with a saddlebag and all that stuff too so they're they're strong and they're good for almost everybody Neat. I'm a big yes. fan of their hubs. I've got a set of the uh, Reynolds black label mountain bike wheels that I've been riding. And they've got the I-9 uh, with the three degree engagement. And so mm-hmm. when I'm having to do little stutter pedal strokes through a, a lot of rock, um, yep. those things, they're really nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
and I'll talk more about the Hydra hubs in a future episode. I just got a Hydra rear fat hub for my fat bike and that's 670 degrees of engagement, something like that. <laughs> it's or points of engagement. I should say <laughs> it's, it's instant and really, really nice. But yes, all their hubs are, are great. So yeah. I'm glad you've enjoyed this. And yeah. what's your pick for this week, Patrick? So just last week on TCI, I posted my long-term review of the Ibis Ripmo. This is Ibis 29er Enduro Crusher masquerading as a trail bike. Uh, yeah, or, or in trail bike clothing, I guess we could say. Um, <laughs> the bike features a Fox 36 fork with 160 millimeters of travel with a DW Link rear end with 145 millimeters of travel. To say the bike is burly is to call the M1 Abrams tank rugged. Uh, (laughs) It is easy to look at the bike's geometry and conclude that it is suited only to riders with their pilot's license. But I'm going to say that really misses the beauty of this bike. As I discussed in my review, the bike does something that I think only the very best bikes do, which is to offer their owners the experience they are looking for while also presenting the opportunity to grow as riders. In riding the Ripmo, I've learned a great deal about where my limits are in terms of, shall we say, airtime, and (laughs) what I need in order to feel like I can push those boundaries. It's difficult to articulate the value of a bike that I know can take anything I might dish out without risking a blown seal we're getting bounced off the bike because I bottomed out the suspension. Uh, that's really bottoming out. The suspension is kind of the quickest, easiest way to make sure that your airtime goes wrong. Uh, aside from, you know, not having your weight in the right position and you go tumbling over or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, with that much travel, I I've never bottomed out the, the shock or the fork. Um, It's also taught me a great deal about my cornering form. If I make sure my technique is on, I can get this very big bike to take some very tight turns. But if I'm sloppy, uh, like if I lean in instead of just leaning the bike in, it will force me to either break or slide unnecessarily and then break. Uh, I've honestly never encountered a mountain bike as versatile as the Ripmo. Um, I am, I'm just really wowed with the bike. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going next, but, uh, I will say that this bike more than any other has made me a, made me a big believer in the DW link suspension. It just pedals so well. I mean, 145 millimeters and I'll pedal around without turning the pro pedal on. It, it's what is the pro pedal? The pro pedal is what, what firms up the rear end, uh, mm-hmm. so that you can, uh, you can pedal better. Usually an awful lot of bikes to take out, out there. The puddle bob, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An awful lot of bikes will really bob a lot still. Um, maybe not as bad as the stuff we were riding in the late 1990s, but I mean, I see people who with each pedal stroke, their bike is moving up and down some. And while there are times where like, if I hit a rock on a climb, I'll feel the saddle drop some. I'll feel the bike dip some. Uh, But that's about the only time I feel that. More often than not, the bike feels smoother to leave the suspension wide open. Yeah, it's it's most unusual. 
but yeah, a very impressive bike. Um, I'll post a link to the review in our show notes. Yeah. Excellent. Real quick, we were talking about airtime. Mm-hmm. What kind of drops are you doing to, to put this in perspective for people? Uh, the biggest stuff I'll do is about four feet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's big. Uh, it's weird because there are some places where I ride where, um, because of a certain sort of slope and the way the land is, has been cut and whatnot, I've been able to work up from like one foot to two feet to two and a half, you know? And so, yeah, there are a couple space, couple places around where I'll go off stuff. That's a, a solid four feet. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't get nervous. There are other places where, you know, two and a half feet will completely gork me out. And then I have to like really work to convince myself to do it. Uh, but yeah, I more and more, I can roll up on something that's two feet and not even blink and go off of it. Um, and for a long time, that was just a, a bit much for, uh, my confidence. Really? That's what it came down sure. to, you know, believing that I had the skill set. And more and more, I'm finding, oh, no, you've got the skill set for this. All you have to do is shut up. (laughs) Yeah. So the bike having that much travel is going to let you do that without being too shaken yourself. You're going to be able to stick it when you land. I mean, I'm not even pushing the bike's true, uh, uh, true limits. I'm not taking it Mm -hmm. to its limits at all. Um, You know, those the the people who are doing that are, are younger and more aggressive but it's been a lot of fun to have a tool that I know I can push as hard as I'm able. And the bike will absolutely be there for me under all circumstances. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a really lovely thing. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah. It's How long be- have you been riding it now? <sighs> I began riding it in mm, March of 2019. Yeah. So you've had some good time on it. Yeah. I did a first ride based on a demo. I want to say late fall 2018. And so I got something brief up about it and then, you know, managed to get, uh, get a frame set for a long-term review. And it, it's all I've been riding since last March, uh, un- until Sunday. Uh, it's, wow. it's the only mountain bike that I've, yeah, I've really been on. Um, there've been a couple other short demo rides on other stuff. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, you know, and it's one of those things, the bike is so capable. I can't say that I know that bike inside and out. Um, all I know is that in every circumstance where I've pushed myself to my absolute limits, the bike's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, you've got more snow coming, so you are going to plan another ride that could start at like two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Yep. Whenever, whenever it hits, when, when, when we know we're going to be able to ride in nice, fluffy, accumulating snow, we will be out there riding in it. Although I think we might get some rain before we get the snow. So it still could be a little while before this first snow hits. Oh, okay. But if you're out there and you're in the Boston area and you want to join, start getting ready, get your duffel bag together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because when it when it hits, we are going to be riding in it and it will be something you will not want to miss. It does sound like it, uh, you know, and what with the value of peer pressure being, you know, what it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. 
I'm pretty bad. I, I twist people's arms. You want to be there. You got to be there. You'll have missed out on this life changing event if you're not there. Yes. Exactly. It's funny. I was so much more immune to peer pressure when I was a kid. And now I'm so much less immune to it as an adult. I don't, I think I got that backward from most folks. So well, it's it a good thing. Where the peer pressure is coming from. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in the I, cycling I, world, what are we peer pressuring each other into? Cool awesomeness. rides. Yes. It's great. Like, I never feel bad about peer pressuring someone into a ride because I know they're going to be better off at the end than they were at the beginning. Well, it's handy to have that kind of confidence, I will say. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Excellent. Alrighty, everybody. That's a wrap on another episode of The Pace Line. Keep those questions coming. You all have been sending great stuff. If you've got an idea or, you know, hey, if you've got a comment based on Patria's poll today, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Patria Vandermark. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.